and a friend of mine she went to china recently um because she like she has family out there and she just said it's so much easier just using wechat like it's just the whole thing hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code spotify for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details all right welcome back to the design huddle today we're going to be talking about uh super apps this is really what we want to do is an overview of what a super app is and why they're so popular in the east but not necessarily the west um so we're going to kind of start from the top mustafa i feel like has a little bit more expertise than me so i might be sitting in the interviewer seat um so we can get the most out of the episode um, just to frame the conversation, a super app is basically many apps within an umbrella app. It's an operating system that bundles the tyranny of apps. It's like a portal to the internet for a mobile first generation. That's like a definition that I saw that I liked. Um, yeah, that's good. So that's good is that accurate? I mean, obviously the big one is WeChat. So let's maybe start there um, and give an so overview yeah, I mean, of why you think they're popular and why WeChat is taking off. I think there are two things which are at play. There's like the history of the technology and then um, the market at the particular time. Like one of the common threads is that back in the late 2000s, so 2010, 2011, uh, major search engines were pulling out of China because of like some like controversies that were happening. And that left an open hole for like, app access and search access and stuff like that so if you imagine if like a major search engine or maybe a major platform just leaves a market it leaves a huge hole and then i suppose what that did was it sort of allowed the market to develop from scratch and think all right what would be a better way of creating things or would be a better approach and that's where like wechat was born um so to put into context imagine on your phone you only you have like Five or you have one app, and then you open that app, and it has like five or six apps embedded within it. So your food delivery service, your taxi service, your um, like Alibaba, which is like the Amazon equivalent, I think, in in China, uh, and it's all bundled in one thing. You're not having to search for for stuff. You're just literally going to services that you actually need, uh, and so that's pretty much. And these and WeChat, which is the most prominent one in China, has just basically grown from there. So it's, it, WeChat reminds me of like the the problem that web designers had when um, Fireworks, which was a really popular web design application, and Sketch kind of just happened to be produced at the same time. I remember going to a talk with the sort of makers of Sketch, the design application, and they said, we didn't win. Like Fireworks just basically was killed by Adobe. And so we won by default because web designers were looking for a simple tool that wasn't Photoshop and didn't require some sort of like really long uh, subscription service which you couldn't sign out of like which that's the sort of common criticism of adobe so like wechat was basically one of the stories is wechat basically was a gap in the market and they redesigned what that problem is and so if you look at super apps they're really popular in asia um so i think that's one thread so um of why super apps are really successful i think the other thread comes down to and we've spoken this loads of times in the past um 
keyboards don't lend well to non-Latin based languages. So like English is, was designed, the keyboard was designed for English. And so retrospectively, touchscreen devices, keyboards don't really work too well. Um, you know, and when you're looking at say Arab, like Arab or Middle Eastern languages, they, uh, the, the shape of the characters can change because it's very calligraphic style of writing. So an A can change shape depending on what it's next to. So if you imagine like we have ligatures in, in English, which would be FI is a ligature because it, it has to be redesigned so that the dot and the crossing of the F doesn't actually intercept. Well, like they have loads of ligatures in that, if that would be like an equivalent. And so uh, uh, the common thing in the Middle East is to actually record sound and send like voice messages over WhatsApp. But so like, and in Asia, obviously, it's very pictorial. And so relying on text for search, it doesn't really lend itself in the same manner. So I think both um, the technology not really, the, the existing technology not really suiting the problem, and then a major uh, platform pulling out of the market. I think those two things in tandem led to the birth of like the super app, which is really popular. Uh, so I mean, every, I think Singapore has this own, Malaysia, Indonesia, India, even um it's definitely like a Central Asian thing I've noticed from I've like been I've interviewed folks a lot of folks who've worked on super apps across and it's an interesting concept because it's not something that really happens in the West and the closest thing we have is maybe Facebook because you've got Facebook market um, I, I'm wondering if they're actually working on their own but I don't know if it the see the thing is because we have searches so easy to use and it all lends itself to Latin based languages I'm not sure how these things translate well in the um, in the uh, Western markets. No, what's your experience with them? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a super helpful overview. Again, I'm not anywhere near, uh, you know, other than, I mean, would you consider like WhatsApp becoming a super app? I mean, I, um, I, I mean, it's starting to add more and more capabilities. Would you say that it's on, it's on the path to be, or would you say it already is one? I think Facebook is, I mean, I, uh, I'm not sure if WhatsApp is, I'm, I'm, WhatsApp is adding features in Asia. I'm not sure how many features it's really adding in. Like in the UK, it's still just a basic SMS style app, right? Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it has the potential, but it's whether people want to do that. I know buying stuff through WeChat was like the big thing, like payment services and whatnot. Uh, and a friend of mine, she went to China recently because um, she, like, she has family out there. And she just said it's so much easier just using WeChat. Like it's just the whole thing. Like, where we're trying to redesign the web for like browsers and whatnot it's just the freedom and so the, the the freedom of speech and democracy that you get in the west it does add a layer of chaos to actually reach that because the tools like the search box is basically the ultimate piece of democracy right your freedom of speech you add write anything in there and something will come up right mm -hmm. theoretically like depending on the search engine uh but like these services in sort of like asia which is a lot more locked down it's just ease of use it kind of reminds me of you know i don't know if you've ever seen the um steve jobs film with magneto i'm not sure the actor's name is i know he's played magneto that's why i got <laughs> magneto with steve jobs uh, um is that uh the ashton kutcher one no not that one <laughs> um but basically the steve jobs film where they it's done in three parts with and basically it it's filmed all around like when he's about to give like the big Apple Expo things and it's like so getaways. Uh, 
And there's a scene in there which is apparently really accurate, according to Steve Wozniak, where Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak are arguing about where Apple should go. And Steve Wozniak says it's all about custom mobility, like allowing people to change things. And Steve Jobs is like, no, but that's not what people actually need. They want something simple that works. And I kind of see like the WeChat model is the simple that works. It's kind of locked down, um, but you can just do the activities that you need where the customability gives you the freedom, but realistically, how much of that freedom are you actually using? Uh, but then it's like, this is like a, maybe where the cultural thing overlaps on um, on technology. So yeah, no, I think, but so I mean, the, the, the super apps haven't really hit, mm -hmm. um, unless you've got say banking apps, which have certain things where like, in the UK, you have an app called Monzo, which is like a, a digital bank, and they have sub apps within them in that like you can set, like targets for saving money you can set like you know spending habits or like money to give to like a loved one do you know what I mean it's like it's trying to create a whole bunch of actions which is on a very low level is app-ish because it's like targeting but yeah no uh, uh, Facebook is the most obvious one like if they were to tie yeah no I, I think that's a good example and this takes me to um like kind of stringing together of like what are the actual characteristics of a super app yeah. So I was reading, um, there's a, a website that kind of talks about like tech trends in Asia. Uh, the website's techinasia.com, but they have an article on super apps that I highly recommend. And um, they have like five components that um, are like the characteristics of a super app. So I'll read them. There's like one that jumps out at me. But if you, if you think about all of these, like if you think about the end user goal of a super app, it's just to create a unified seamless experience, right? limit toggling and just help users get stuff done um, almost so like productivity and efficiency is like one of the most important factors um, so these are the five that I wanted to get your take on so the first is the app should have at least one service or function that has a high open rate um, so for grab or WeChat that's actually the chat functionality um, yeah. super apps need to own their own users wallets so you know, a storefront built, you should really think of it as like WePost is a storefront built on top of a payment app rather than a payment experience built into a website. So that mm -hmm. seamlessness is something that I think separates it. Um, partnerships are openness are critical. Um, so I think that, that kind of goes without saying, right? The more integrations you have, the more seamless you can do and the more opportunities to kind of meet more of users where they're at. They need to allow partners to succeed. So there's also, this is like the integrations. Um, so I think this like a good example is uh, if we think about like maybe places where integrations haven't been great. Um, I think maybe how Facebook has handled Instagram where Instagram was really this like creator based company. And now yeah. it's, people feel like it's really gotten away from its creative roots and it's kind of polluted with ads and like it's lost its real value to creators. Uh, maybe that's a hot take, but I think that's how a lot of my friends that are like full-time creators feel about it. So I think that's an example of like not allowing a partner to succeed. I know that's an acquisition, so it's a little different, but still relevant. And then the last is super apps need to go deep on multiple verticals. So um, it doesn't just offer surface level finance products like a mobile wallet, mobile wallet, but it also has like a bunch of other stuff that you can do. Um, to become more effective. So, um, 
That's really interesting. Like, it's, I mean, so they, it's interesting that it was a payment platform that evolved to other services because the payment part is usually the most complicated for any of service. Like, how do you get the money from A to B? That's you know dealing with fraud and all of that. That's usually really complex. So it's interesting that um, that was the starting point, and then because they have that figured out, adding the other layers on top becomes a lot more straightforward. So you think. PayPal, in which case, or what's the other one that you lot use in America? I forget. Uh, Venmo. There's another set. Yeah, Venmo. So Venmo. Uh, that, see, that would seem like if they were to replicate that. Well, then I suppose PayPal kind of did, because when they owned by, they were connected to eBay, right? Uh, Venmo is owned by, no, Venmo is PayPal. Oh, it's PayPal as well. Yeah, so eBay, I think eBay at one time owned PayPal, then PayPal split, but PayPal and Venmo are the same. The other big one is now Cash App, which is owned by Square, which is Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, so those are like the two rival, like Gen Z, millennial um, payment apps. So you could see they, they would have the potential if they were to follow that way. Because um, I remember speaking um, to one of our earlier guests, they were working on a payment service. Uh, in in Amsterdam, so you can see like that, and their biggest thing was always uh, creating the APIs that allow developers to do it. So if you imagine that you actually just create the whole service, and someone could just come in and plug in their app, and it just works, and then that makes the 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 usability for users work. Um, so I suppose the question is, why do we think it's not really working in in the West, or like why doesn't that really happen here? Um, I suppose one of the biggest challenges is iOS, right? Because iOS is fast becoming the the most successful mobile platform in the West for sure. Partly because Apple allowed for um, the secondhand market to exist, and they actually support older devices. So, like, they support the iPhone 6s, right? And that that was released when, well, back in uh, 2015. Which is quite good if you think about it. That's like almost a six-year-old phone that's still being supported by the platform, and that means that all right, Apple might not make money from the selling of the phone, but they'll make money from the Play Store, right? And then they'll make money for the apps because people are more likely to spend money on an iPhone than they are on Android. As I remember that data a long time ago, because it's a lot more disposable income, and so. The iPhone kind of has the, the iPhone itself is a super app the way it locks down everything because it's very restrictive in what it allows. Uh, so I can see that that's like a thing that stops um, folks from from doing stuff. And I suppose the other thing is like regulation. That's the art. The I mean, I'm looking at an article on UX Planet and they're talking about the super app. And so regulation is also a big thing, like competition laws. If a company, you know, because there's anti-monopoly, what's they called, anti-monopoly? Because remember years ago when Microsoft got into trouble and, like, the U.S. government just kept taking them to court to, like, break them up and stuff. Maybe there's an element of that where it requires a lot more openness because what if one person controls the entire platform, that's like, imagine if it's just one browser, right? Like, that's right. a lot of power. Yeah, so I think those are, those are like, perfectly valid reasons for why super apps aren't pop popular in the uh, in the east i think the other one that i i, I agree with in the west is... not in the east, east they're up <laughs> yeah not to confuse our yeah sorry listeners. in the west the east is what's using super apps we're talking about how the west is not using them um 
Thanks for catching that. <laughs> so the other one is that it's tough to build a super app for a country with an established um, internet economy. So I think yeah. the current group of well-known super apps started in countries that have underdeveloped internet infrastructures. I think India for is, is like one example of this. China being another one. But that it has to be a major play where the you know it would be really difficult um, in the U.S. to consolidate those applications and features into one. So uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. And then the other one is that you know uh, super apps are mobile experiences, and you know I, I think everyone agrees like we live in a mobile first world. Um, but the, the the East is even more mobile first um, than I think people realize. There is a stat that even in Ind Indonesian internet usage is surging and it's reaching 65% of the population. Um, that was back in 2019. Um, and only 26% of the population use computers in 2018. So they're just seeing, we're st it's, it's just hard. I think people forget that there's still people coming online for the first time. There's a massive bucket yeah. of these new internet users that, uh, not that we don't, think about, but I think we don't realize the amount of people that are really coming, you know, online for the first time. So that's the other piece is that, you know, we're, they're really leaning into that mobile first um, experience and that kind of like desktop is an afterthought. Yeah. And also I remember Dave Martin in a previous episode, he was talking about like mobile is important, but money being spent on desktop is, is far more. So if you think about like the more money spent on desktop, basically. Uh, so if you think about, say, GDP and money spent, if if you, most of your money has been spent on a desktop browser or desktop app, then the incentive to develop an ecosystem from scratch in the hope that it develops organically or whatever, it, it, that, you know, that's a big risk for companies to take. Um, but then you see, like, Uber is basically creating their own super app. Like, in the UK, it's like, first it was car delivery, then it's food delivery, then it's grocery delivery and now it's like scooters and bikes and so you can see that once the concept of just getting stuff sent to people if they start expanding that like what comes next they could perhaps make their own bank i mean if they have access to your money why not like you know uh, and maybe give like incentives for people to sign up for it because a lot of supermarkets in the uk now are starting to set up their own banks because it's just if they can set up a credit card they're going to do it and a store card, why not just go the whole hog and set up a bank as well? So you can see, perhaps that's the model. You just basically set up a payment service, and then that becomes the foundation. So it's quite clever, actually, the the evolution of WeChat. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I totally agree. I think the um, so I guess like let me ask you this: um, Do you see super apps ever becoming um, as popular as they are? um in the west as they are in the east well it's like that whole um user fudged experience you know the trademark term that we have which uh for folks who are not familiar you uh user fudge experiences when users are caught improvising on an experience because it's not doing what they wanted to intend so you know they can't log into a shared computer so they'll write their password down on a sticky which completely destroys the experience <laughs> so they fudge the experience um i suppose if people see they're trying to achieve accomplish something and it's not working and then an app just does exactly that one thing like uber is the perfect example of that where the the founders were in san francisco and they couldn't get a yellow cab and then they said why can't we just get the cab to come to us 
And that was like such a powerful question. And then they, the whole company was born. So it's basically that if, if you can find a process which is really frustrating in the existing. And I can see like the web as a platform. It is quite badly affected by, say, GDPR and cookie banners. And so if someone can create a platform where just consuming stuff in a very clean fashion and has payment attached to it and services, I could see that working. That's why native platforms are really successful because they don't have to deal with a lot of the BS that happens on the web. Um, yeah. I think that's but a... it's just basically... Yeah. yeah. No, it's just basically, it's like a clear pain point needs to be... like I, Another example I've given before, in our local supermarket, they created an app where you can just scan the shopping and then you scan uh, as you and put it in your bag. So you're basically packing and shopping at the same time. And then you scan a QR code at the till and then you pay. So then if you and then you realize how um, amazing that experience becomes rather than you go get a trolley, you put stuff in the trolley, then you take stuff out of the trolley, you scan it, then you put stuff in a bag. Like you're just repeating the same things. It's like and that's such a huge pain point. And so going back to shopping, like going to a supermarket that doesn't have that capability seems really archaic. So if that's the kind of thing, if you can find something that seems archaic, create a delightful experience, then that would be the gateway for super apps. It's just I'm not sure how much of a breakdown. Um, I mean, I think I think super apps probably helps older users. Yeah. Um, and just like on that, on the piece of like the super app features, because we keep talking about, right, it's a multiple features combined in one in an easy to use way. There was a research paper done and it kind of showed there's usually five buckets of like features that are commonly in um, uh, super apps. The first of being like social, no surprise, right? This is just yep. like instant messaging, voice, video calls, and like content for sharing. This typically is free for consumers and it's monetized through advertising. The second's payments, we talked about this briefly. Digital wallets, a lot of paid bills, transfer funds, payments for free. This is peer-to-peer -peer and as well as like you could go um, like consumer to bank or consumer to business. Um, E-commerce, which is massive, obviously. Players can sell directly to consumers or serve as a marketplace for third-party sellers. Um, the business model here is merchant. There's merchant fees like any other platform like Amazon. Um, the fourth bucket's ride-hailing. Again, I think you've been spot on with like breaking down the key features. This is yeah. the Uber model that we just talked about. It connects drivers for a fee. And then there's an online delivery service, which is like um, ride hailing um, delivery vehicles to customers and merchants that need a delivery. So those are the five basic ones. So what we're also seeing is, is that um, super apps tend to scale from a profitable or nearly profitable like core offering and then additional and add additional functionality to increase like loyalty and stickiness. I think that's the really important piece, right? Where they app, they offer some sort of service for free and then they slowly will work in more and more features that make you more loyal um, and to make sure that their retention is as high as possible. So um, I think the thing that's the most, I don't have any date like data like I'm, not, I'm looking at right now, but the, uh, usage of super apps when you look at mobile app usage and you look at the core super apps like in these in this part of the in like you know in the in the east like that like the amount of time people spend when they're on their phone that's dedicated to the super app is astonishing so i'll try to find some data to like kind of back that up but i do remember seeing stats where it's like majority of the usage comes from being in that super app so i guess this is more of like a brainstorming question because like 
I do think that, you know, Design Huddle, we like to take topics, like kind of break it down a little bit to understand it. But I also want to talk about like, like we want to talk about like the future of the future of design a little bit. So how would you stand out if you were like, I don't know, leading a design team or you're the product manager of a company that's trying to build a super app? What would you do to stand out against other super apps? What would your value prop be? I, I think it's the making the the thing one small thing really easy to do like you know so i had this uh shopping scanning app just does one thing really well it's just scans shopping the one i mean it'd be great if you could integrate uh shopping lists and shared shopping lists so they count basically split like those kind of things and then really cleverly you scan something and it detects the thing off your shopping list so it just crosses it out automatically so you basically you're just seeing the list the list item you tap on it you scan do you know what i mean like that's the extra level of cleverness, but that one core thing where it just saves you so much pain of loading and unloading shopping, and then you can it's all integrated with your store card. So I mean, anything that just hacks that um, that experience and makes it like much more delightful. But how do you get to that point is the interesting question. I remember I was trying to find the link as you're speaking. Um, if I get find it, I'll put it in show notes. A few years ago, I went to uh, UX London, which was like run by Clear Left, the yeah. conference. And they had speakers from Italy, and they were talking about how they were tasked with designing mobile phone documentation, but specifically for an older market. So they went to, like, I think it was maybe an old people's home or something of that nature, and they gave uh, a banana and a, uh, a, a Sharpie yep. to the old people and they said, okay, if you could draw the perfect interface on a phone, what would it be? And they're like, oh, you know. I'd like number five to be like to call my grandson because he's at university or like number one to just call my daughter. And they're really oh, yeah. breaking the experience down into really simplistic acts and actions. Is that's it. Like, I don't really care about having multiple features. I've got it for these core things. And then, so when they actually designed the documentation, it's so beautiful. Like you, you open the box and then it covers the whole interface, but, but with like bits of paper, the holes cut out. And then as you turn, it's like, there's an arrow. Okay. Take this thing out. Okay, right. Uh, use this pin. Open the slot to put the SIM card in. And then it's like, right, now press this button. Switch it on. Like, really clear. Like, it's a step-by-step -step guide where you're, it's like, it becomes like a book with cutouts which focus on specific parts of the interface. Yeah, and that no. was really well-received like, well because it's like, I've, I've seen this meme where someone says, I don't know how to work the remote. And they basically put paper on top of everything and they say, this is for volume, this is for up and down, and this is for menu because most of the stuff on the remote is not necessary and so i think finding the eureka moment is basically finding out what people are doing observing what they want and then trying to come up with something that solves that yeah i think that's spot on i mean i think that's it's doing the little things right i i, I think the other example is like you know being in you know being in the tech industry means you're like it support for your entire family there's like that running joke right <laughs> But, yeah, you know, course. like how many times has a family member been like, oh, I'm looking to get a new like, you know, family desktop computer. What should I get? And my question is always like, what do you use it for? Right. They're not. Yeah, they're, listen, doing? they're not running a design agency and they need, you know, some tricked out, you know, high res monitor with like all the bells and whistles with like maxed out CPU and RAM like. You're sending emails, you're printing your boarding pass, you're, you know, you're maybe opening a Word document every once in a while and you're browsing the web. So 
there's a, a tons of options. So I think people get hung up on that, but I think that idea is very similar to what you're getting at, right? It's just like creating the, making the interaction as simple as possible and really understanding how people are using it before you design for it. Uh, Cause I think that's yeah. the other thing that's like kind of a little bit refreshing about it is it's like, in a way it's minimal. So you're less distracted by all the other stuff. I saw this app or this, this stat a while back where I was like, the average number of apps downloaded per month is zero where people basically download a bunch of stuff early on when they get their phone and then they like don't really download that much stuff like it round it, it's rounded down obviously it's probably like a fraction of yeah but, um and the idea there is that there's just like a bunch of apps on your phone that you don't use there's like a, a handful that you have heavy usage and the rest are kind of just like there for the occasional and then there's the ones that you don't even use and now there's like i think there's like an android feature that'll delete the ones that are the least used. And the reason I'm going down, like, like kind of going into this is that um, it's really taking that idea of like, what are your five most used or your six most used applications, bundling them and then making it smart so they can kind of talk and work together, which is very, it, yeah. I think that's actually very interesting. Yeah, like I got like an iPhone, like a, an iPhone uh, recently when I was just like connecting it to my older device. It copied over the aliases of all the apps, but it didn't actually download them because it knows cleverly like you don't actually use this. It's almost you only have this app on your home screen. A bit like there's a there's a word for it in Japanese, I think, where you buy books but don't read them. <laughs> I think downloading apps but not using them is probably the new paradigm. So it's like, but isn't that just clutter and reduces focus? Uh, and again, it comes down to that Steve Jobs mantra of give people what they need, not what they necessarily ask for, because they often two different things. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, all right, cool. So let's let's uh, let's wrap. So a lot of good stuff here. I mean, we kind of went through the characteristics, um, kind of just like why we think they're more popular. Some hypothesis, some data to back that up. Of, of East versus West usage. We talked about the core features. Talked about like value props, ways to stand out, um, and. It, ton of other stuff but the one thing i would just say is that i think that like going back to the original question is is like will the west ever have these there's a few areas i think are going to be the most compelling so i think healthcare i think education and lifestyle are like big opportunities for the west to kind of break into the super app space and there's some that are already like happening i think apple's recent like they have like a fitness plus that's so like a fitness ecosystem that has a bunch of like integrations. I think that could be, has a lot of potential to be a super app. And then um, there's gonna be some sort of like gaming platform integration that kind of does all of this that we're talking about, where you can kind of watch your favorite gamer, play the game, buy their merch, like watch their content. It's kind of like Twitch, but like, I think it's gonna be much more than that. So, um, yeah, those are just areas that I think, verticals that I think are going to be particularly compelling uh, for super apps in the West. What about Yeti? Is there any verticals that you think are going to be particularly, um, we'll see this happen more frequently? In? Well, in the UK, the banking sector is really interesting yeah. because those digital banks. Um, uh, but usually what happens, like, companies just get bought out in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the big ones usually. And so that, I don't know if that stifles the innovation. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, it'll be, it'll be. I wonder. I think basically, for it to be successful, an existing player in a market like Uber or PayPal seems to be the best, strongest, or maybe Facebook even um, to do this. 
or yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, no, it's a super interesting topic. If you're listening and you're a somebody that's worked at a super app, drop us a line. We'd love to kind of validate some of our ideas here and hear a little bit more behind the scenes of like how the design of the apps are actually thought through. Um, awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in today on Design Huddle. If you haven't done so, jump over to our YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button. And we will catch you new episodes every Monday. Uh, YouTube, Anchor app, anywhere else you listen to a podcast, just search Design Huddle and hit that subscribe button. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.